Are you wondering how to truly support community instead of monopolized, unsustainable companies? Would you like to start supporting farmers who are really making a difference on this earth? Are you wondering what homesteading actually is? Are you curious about what a doula does? In today's episode on Root Awakening, a health podcast, we are talking with Chantelle Johnson. Chantelle is the founder of Off Grid in Color, which is a sanctuary for health and wellness. Off Grid in Color provides quality meat and has a mission to encourage others to take steps towards greater self-sufficiency through farm-raised goods, doula services, and community outreach. Folks, thoughtfully raised food is so important to our planet and our bodies. Education on food and natural living is so essential to our bodies, first of all, but also essential to our society, especially now that so much of our food comes from huge unethical farms that are owned by people who really do not care at all about our health. I don't care if we're talking vegetables. I don't care if we're talking meat. Most of what we find in the grocery store is produced in a way that is not thoughtful and in a way that often is unethical. So that is why it is so important that we support small farms and know the people who are growing our food. And doula services literally save lives. So Off Grid and Color provides so many essential services for the community. And Off Grid and Color is also a community in itself that is vital to our health and our education. So this sanctuary really deserves to be supported, folks. Head to Off Grid in Colors with an S.com or follow Off Grid in Color on Instagram and Facebook to check out how to contribute and lend a hand. In this episode, Chantelle tells us about her journey that led her to creating Off Grid in Color. She tells us about what the difference is between homesteading and farming. She tells us about why she started becoming more independent from the system and how you can start to do the same. She tells us about how Off Grid in Color utilizes super thoughtful farming practices. Chantelle and I talk about why it's so important to know the people who are growing your food and what community support can really look like. We talk about the many different ways to support independent farmers. We talk about seasonal eating. We talk about how to trust Mother Earth. And Chantelle tells us about how we can help off-grid and color own land. And then towards the end of the episode, Chantelle tells us about what doula and birth coaching services are and how they help the mother and baby. So this is going to be a super wonderful episode. I'm so excited for everybody to listen to it. Chantelle just has so much important information and a lot of education on how homesteading works, how that is worked into off-grid and color, what off-grid and color really is as a community and as a a community support and a method of education for the community and how we can support and just how knowing our farmers and knowing where our food comes from, how that can really affect our lives and why it's so important to maybe not rely on the system all the time and who that can often affect, who the system can often affect. So I'm so excited for you all to listen to this episode. It's an amazing conversation and it's just such a joy to listen to. Enjoy. 
This is Root Awakening, a health podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am the CEO of Root Awakening. I am a holistic health coach, and I help you gain balanced health without going cold turkey. You can follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Root is spelled R-O-O-T. If you want to message me and say hi, you can absolutely do that. Please message me on Instagram. Tell me what you think about this episode. Tell me what you think about this podcast. Ask any questions that you may have. If you want to have someone featured on the podcast, let me know. If you want me to go over a certain topic on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear your thoughts. I love to hear your suggestions. Please give me your feedback or just say hi. I would love to hear from you. Okay, folks, we still have a giveaway happening right now. It's not going to be happening for much longer. One person will win a free 45-minute private health coaching session with me. So if you want guidance on food or boundaries or how to become less dependent on alcohol, how to create sustainable energy without caffeine, how to reconnect with your body, how to connect with your intuition, how to become more intuitive, how to find more purpose and fulfillment in life, these These are all topics that I specialize in and that I would be ecstatic to coach you on. To be entered into the drawing to win a free 45-minute health coaching session with me, you can subscribe to this podcast or leave a rating and review on this podcast or share this podcast with your community. Just take a screenshot of your subscription, your review, or the post that you share. DM me the screenshot on Instagram and your name will be entered into the drawing. If you do one of these three things, your name gets entered once. And if you do all three of these things, if you subscribe, leave a review, and and share this podcast, your name will be entered into the drawing three times. So you will have three times the chance of winning a 45 minute private health coaching session with me. Definitely leverage this opportunity, folks. It's a free way to be eligible for free health coaching. How beautiful is that? And if you would like to receive longer term guidance and join a community of spectacular people who lift you up, who give you support as you move through your health journey, who know what you are going through, who answer your questions, who give you inspiration, apply to join the Root Awakening Mastermind. The Root Awakening Mastermind is a supportive, inclusive, encouraging community alongside an online platform, which is basically just a beautiful glittery bank packed full of online wellness content. So by joining the Root Awakening Mastermind, you will get access to one, an online course that will teach you how to replace unhealthy habits with balancing wellness practices that serve you. And two, you will get access to a library of recipes, cooking techniques, meditation methods, journaling methods, and self-care resources that will support you as you let go of the habits that do not serve you. Three, you'll get access to mindfulness mantras, which are like guided meditations recorded by me. And you will get access to a weekly gathering where our community comes together and I set up a weekly intention for the group. So this will really help to hold you accountable. These calls will keep you on track. These calls will keep you centered. It's like a little mini group session where we all gain energy from each other and I kind of guide you through an intention to hold throughout the week. It's a super transformative process. I'm so excited to share this with you. And guess what? When you make the investment to join the Root Awakening Mastermind, you get access to all of these resources for an entire year. It's a yearly subscription that you only have to pay once. And for a very short amount of time, this is going to be ending soon, but right now we are offering a special founding members price 
for a short period of time. So if you are interested in claiming this lower founding member's price, head to bit.ly slash root awakening mastermind. Root is spelled R-O-O-T. So it's bit.ly slash root awakening mastermind. Okay, let's get into this interview with Chantelle Johnson, founder of Off Grid in Color. Hey, everybody. Today is a really special day because I have Chantelle Johnson with me. Chantelle is the founder of Off Grid and Color, which is a sanctuary for health and wellness. Off Grid and Color provides quality meat and also has a mission to encourage others to take steps towards greater self-sufficiency through farm-raised goods, doula services, and community outreach. So Chantelle and I met when I was living in North Carolina, and folks, she is just such a wonderful person. Chantelle's story about how she got started with Off Grid and Color is really important, and the community that Off Grid and Color is continuing to cultivate around food and education and birth coaching is just really vital to our survival on Earth. It's essential that we start thinking about where our food is coming from and who we really want to support here and why it's important to be a part of a community when we're buying our food and learning new things. And not to mention, I was just telling Chantel, I say this all the time, but the meat from Off Grid and Color was literally the best meat I've ever had. I've actually studied how chicken that's been raised in a good way is supposed to look and ordering from Off Grid and Color was the first time that I really found that. So I'm super grateful, very honored to have her with me today. So Chantel, it's such an honor to have you on. Welcome to Root Awakening Health Podcast. All right. Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love. Oh, so great to have you here. So you mentioned that you'd be open to sharing about how you got started. Would you like to start off with that? Yes, definitely. So Off Grid Color got started back in the fall of 2016. And it pretty much got started because my youngest brother was shot several times in Chicago in 2014 and died about 15 months later in 2015. And I always contributed his, his death to systemic oppression and racism. While I always tell the story that my brother was no saint. He was a gangbanger. Uh, he sold drugs. He harmed other people. And I'm not trying to take any way of his personal, his own personal journey that definitely played a part in his death. He also didn't have great choices. And I really want people to understand when you don't have good choices, then you can't expect people to make good decisions. So he was the youngest one. He died at the age of 19 and got shot at 18. He went to prison when he was 17. And one thing I just remember about that whole this three-year period was after he was released from jail, the, then the day he got shot, he was picked up by the cops because in Illinois, um, from Chicago, when you have a, a felony uh, record that involves a gun, you have to register as a gun offender. And one would think that you would just register the people once they're released from prison, but how it works is you go visit your probation officer. And if you don't have the resources or the means to do so, then you can't do it. And then you get have a warrant out for your arrest, blase, blase, blase. So I often wonder, you know, will he still be alive if he didn't get picked up by the cops, who knows, but that kind of made me start thinking about well, what were the other systems that played, you know, we tried everything to save Richie with quotes around that. We, we prayed for him. We had preachers come and pray for him. We 
try to give him more money, like give him his wants, needs, and desires. And our individual acts could not overcome systemic issues that's in the community. And that was a hard thing for me to, to realize. It didn't matter what we did, what his family did. We couldn't combat schools being shut down, lack of job opportunities, health care, a broken community that so desperately wanted to come together, but everyone is fighting to survive. And rumor has it that the person who, rumor has it that my brother shot someone and killed someone. And those people shot and killed him. And now one of those people who shot and killed him is now dead. So it's just this ugly, this ugly cycle. And I never was mad at those young men, never, because it was way, way bigger than them killing my brother you know, the fight was so much greater. And about six months after he died, I remember telling my mom, you know what? I just think we're just over-reliant on the system to take care of us. And I'm going to start doing everything on my own. I'm going to start raising my, you know, raising my own meat, growing my own food. I'm going to start sewing. I'm going to start doing textile and craft. I was just naming everything at the time that I was going to do because I just felt like, that's what I needed to do to, to heal and to feel like that I was a better part of like my lived experience from my own basic needs than relying on someone. So that kind of got me on a dating website. <laughs> and I, I met someone who was living off the land and it probably wasn't <laughs> the best idea to get into a relationship with someone when my heart was hurting and grieving from my brother, but I did. And I have no regrets because in that relationship, I learned the, fun- the fundamentals of homesteading and how to provide for myself. And I was working a full-time, I moved to North Carolina and I got a full-time job as a research assistant and I hated it. Even though I had all the benefits, all the vacation days, <laughs> 401k, was making over $50,000 at the time. I don't know where my money was going. I feel like I was always broke and I was always tired. I remember the first week I had this, this is like my first full-time job out of grad school. I also have a master's degree in social work. And I was so exhausted. Like all I did was sit all day at a computer and everyone else looked miserable too. And most people stuck around because of health benefits and because of childcare and because of their spouse and you know, maybe I'll, I'll understand that more when I have those things, but I'm so happy at the time that I didn't because I chose myself. And what I decided to do was give this homesteading journey a shot. And I was about 28, 29. And I said, I got a bachelor's degree from a liberal arts college. I got a master's degree from a major university. I'm in my late 20s. I can give myself 10 years. So we always give companies 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then we retire, and then that's when we have fun. And I was like, you know what? If I give myself 10 years, or at least I'm 40, I still can give someone 25 years <laughs> if this don't work. And so that kind of just snowballed into me doing everything. At first, I was making, well, for myself, I was doing body goods and like doing my own cleaning products and my own deodorants and my lotions and body butters. And then that turned into like growing food, raising animals, 
then I was on a TV show called Homestead Rescue where I won a tiny house on wheels. And that really helped leverage me to be able to move from farm to farm uh, without worrying about housing. But I never had land. I still don't have land, but I, I, I kept going. And I remember at one point, it was 2017, 2018, when I had, when I had to decide if I was going to be a farmer or a homesteader. And, and, you know, I pulled down a 401k and maxed out credit cards. I don't recommend anyone do this, but this is my process. <laughs> Got into some, some debt and I just kept, kept pushing and I, and I kept, I kept going. I decided that I was going to farm to, to fund my homestead. And I feel like I'm still, still doing that. So it's been a great, a great journey, especially identifying myself, like who did I want to be? And I just so just wanted to be just someone who was just raising good food. And then, but I had got so many calls, not calls, like emails from people and messages from Instagram said, oh, how did you get started? I want to know more. It's particularly from black women. It was very interesting. You know, do you feel safe in the communities that you're in? Like, how do you do it? And I realized that my purpose was way bigger than me raising food and selling people good meat. People were looking for inspiration and encouragement and someone who looked like them so they can jumpstart their own healing process into this world of agriculture. And I was like, well, do you want to wear that hat? <laughs> and I do because I never honestly wanted to be a farmer. I got into it because it's very healing for me and I enjoy it. And I love going to the farmer's market and meeting people like you, Emily, and having those connections. That's what I live for. That's what helps me grow and, and develop. And so it's been a great, a great journey and I'm excited to see what the next years have to come. Awesome. Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that story with us. And it's super, just incredibly inspiring and to have that higher purpose and higher purpose. Like there are so many essential layers to what you were doing and working on Chantel. And it's just beautiful. I can, I could cry right now, just <laughs> listening to you talk about it. So yeah, I would love to hear, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the distinction between uh, homesteading and farming. Like if we can, I know you already kind of mentioned it, but just for folks who haven't really heard the word homesteading before, can you make that, that distinction? So we have a really good idea going further in the conversation. Definitely. So I like to describe homesteading as a lifestyle, a lifestyle of self-sufficiency. And that can look however you want it to look, whether you live in Manhattan on the 27th floor in the high rise and you're growing your own herbs you're a homesteader to me or whether you're somewhere out in biloxi mississippi with you know 100 acres doing cattle and have a garden then that's homesteading so however you're whatever you're doing to making your life more self-sufficient meaning that you're not being reliant on systems to supply those things for you. So do you have solar panels? Do you have a garden? Do you got chickens for your eggs? It could be as complex or simple as you want it to be. And generally farming is you farm for a profit, right? You know, so for me, I, you know, I raise animals for meat. That helps me to fund the things I want on my homestead, which I don't really have a homestead now. But at one point when I did, I would use my profits from my homestead to buy more shea butter to make my shea butter lotions 
or to make my own laundry detergents and things, things like that. So homesteading is a lifestyle, farming is for profit. Awesome. Great. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful distinction. I haven't heard it broken down like that into those kind of bite-sized pieces. That's so helpful for me as well. And I love this idea. It's so profound, Chantal, this idea of becoming more self-sustainable and not relying on the systems. That mindset and outlook is so beautiful, so deeply beautiful because most of us know that the system is broken, right? So if we're relying on the system, what's going to happen to us, right? We're, we're going to lose resources. We're not going to have a lot of the stability that you can have when you are uh, at least having goals to become more self-sustainable and to be able to live off of what you grow. And it's yours, you know, and you don't have to rely on somebody else to give it to you or not give it to you, right? Depending on who you are, depending on all of these factors, right? You build it for yourself. That's so so cool. So cool to hear about. So inspiring. And yeah, I'm curious now, would you like to talk about how Off Grid and Color is currently functioning? Like, would you like to talk about the farm and animal raising and just how it looks different than maybe other farms, perhaps where the typical meat in a grocery store comes from? Yeah. So Off Grid and Color is kind of divided into three parts. So one, like the mission is, you know, to encourage others to take steps towards greater self-sufficiency through farm-raised goods. And right now that's currently in the form of meat. So chicken, pork, and turkey. And I eventually would love to like have a garden and flowers and bees and all that. Mm. The next part is doula services, which I like to refer to as birth coaching services. As I was starting my homesteading journey, I realized that we need not just to focus on food. So I got into doula services because I was like, it's more than just nurturing mother earth and community building and self-sufficiency is also the seeds that we sow in our wombs if you choose to, to bear a child. And so particularly for women of color, the birth rates are pretty, pretty bad, I guess, for particularly for black women. And I just didn't want to see any more black women die or babies lost because they weren't being heard in the birth space. And I want it to be affordable. I don't do much doula services, but it's out there. Anytime a mama comes to me and they said, I want a doula, then you got me. And then the community outreach is really just to inspire, encourage, and teach people how to live self-sufficient. So the difference between the meat in the grocery store and what I do it's very simple. <laughs> the best way to describe it is think of, think about going, it's probably a horrible example, but I'm going to go with it. Let's see how it goes. <clears throat> For me, it's like going to a adoption agency and, you know, you get a child. Let's say all, all the children are pretty much the same as far as development, everything, all that stuff is the same. You get a child and you get a child. And one child goes somewhere and maybe there are a lot of children there and they can't get the attention that they need. And then one goes somewhere where they're not and then they can get all the attention that they need to, to develop. And I use that analogy to describe like mass production of meat. You know, usually a chicken house can hold 10,000 chickens at a time where I will only raise 500 at a time, which some people still say that's a big number, but 
when a chicken can be raised in six to eight weeks and you think about how many eight weeks you have in a year and if your chicken house can raise 10,000 birds at a time then you can raise a lot of chicken <laughs> right and it, the if just basic economics you know the 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 bigger the volume, the cheaper that you can make the meat. But you can't give that quality to all 10,000 chickens, right? So let's say we got, you know, we got eight weeks every two months. So six months, six times 10,000, 60,000 chickens. Where for me, it's 500 times six, you know, 3,500 chickens a year. That's getting quality attention. And we use similar birds. It's called a Cornish cross. It's not sustainable. Let me say that now. It's a bird that's crossed four ways. You know, there's chicken, there's heritage chicken A and B, and the other heritage chicken C and D. They have babies, and then their babies, you know, babies mates, and then they have the chicken that has this development and growth. I would love one day to go to a more heritage bird that takes a little bit longer. That also means I have to educate my customers to the different tastes because they are meat birds that take. A naturally meat bird can take somewhere between 16 to 24 weeks to, to raise. It's a little tougher and it's a little gamier. And that's probably where we need to go, in my opinion. But when it comes to farming for profit, right, I don't have 24 weeks to raise out a chicken, right? I need to do it in, in eight weeks. <laughs> but I need to do it in a way that's respectable to the earth, respectable to the customers consuming it. And me as the worker, the farmer, who's who's raising it. And so that was the choice I made to stick with the Cornish cross, similar to what the, the, the big ag folks are doing, but just raising it in a different in a different way. And people tell me all the time, like Emily, you just said that it tastes different. And that goes for the, the, the hogs that I raise and turkeys that I raise. Sometimes my pigs are heritage pigs. Heritage is when the breed has not been altered in any type of way for whatever quality that you're looking for. And so most poultry farmers are using a hybrid type of bird, but you can get a heritage pig and get get similar results as a as a commercial pig. And so yeah, that's really the big difference. And also you get to connect with the farmer. You know, you don't know Tyson, <laughs> you know, you don't Get, get the opportunity to ask them the same questions and you'll be able to ask me. You can send them an email. You can hope their representative get back to you. But, you know, I get to have that relationship that other big ad people don't get to have. And I feel like that. I think that's really, really important. A lot of people ask me, do you do wholesales or do you do this? Do you supply restaurants? And I would love to do those things. And that's, that's great and all. But I don't really like to do wholesales or work in restaurants mainly because they want a discount because they're buying in bulk. When I buy my feed, when I buy my equipment for someone who raises 500 chicken at a time, I don't get special deals. So I don't believe anyone else should get a special deal. I think you should buy it at retail price. When I get to the point where I'm mass producing, then I might quit. <laughs> you know, I think that there should be in a community of say, let's say uh, a thousand or so people, it should be a few farmers there supplying all the foods. I mean, that's how I really believe it should be. I don't. I think you know every region should have dedicated farmers supplying what the people need for their, you know, for the foods that they want want to eat. You go to the grocery store and get your salt and pepper, you know. <laughs> but that's kind of 
that's just my personal beliefs about how food should be raised. I don't think it should be mass produced. I think it's enough people who can be farmers, who can supply a community for the foods that they need. And I think with that, you can have a big difference in our food systems, a better trusting relationship in the food, food system. You have more variety in the and the, the foods you get to eat, not just meat, but just produce. There's so many varieties of tomatoes and carrots and lettuce. And, and I think if we put that energy into small to mid-sized farms, then we'll have a little bit more fun with our food too. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh my gosh. And that's really what community is about, right? Like when we think about what actually, what community looks like, you're not going to the grocery store and getting your food from a huge corporation that I'm just going to say it probably does not care at all about your health or your well-being, right? And that's not really what community looks like because you're buying from someone that's outside of, that's not necessarily in your community, not around you. They're, they're on a whole different corporate level, right? And to be able to know who's growing your food and know that the person that's growing your food is an amazing, wonderful person that does care about your health. And not to mention the farming practices, like you said, like so much care gets taken into this and you love to do what you do and you can taste that in the food. I've talked about this on other podcast episodes. I really believe that if there is messed up energy going into how people are raising the animals, you eat that energy, right? That energy goes into you and it transfers like that, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. And it's so clear. Like like you said, Chantel, other people have told you that your meat just tastes different. It tastes special. Mm-hmm. And it is because you, you raise it with such care and such love. Uh, it, it transfers like that. Absolutely. And yeah, so this this idea of just taking more care to look at where your food is coming from and know that there are so many people like Chantel out there that really care about their food and want to build this community and talk about being self-sustainable, right? Like this is your next step to being a little bit more self-sustainable. Yes, I didn't grow the meat. I, I have gotten it from Chantel before, but it's closer to me knowing where my food is coming from and not relying on this bigger system, this bigger, huge government subsidized system that's kind of shady to mm-hmm. get my food, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, even though like I wore a shirt telling everyone to be a farmer, everyone doesn't need to be a farmer. Everyone needs to support a farmer. And there's so many different positions that you can play in the agriculture industry. You can be the person that helps that farmer get their food to other people. That's called a distributor, <laughs> right? There's so many other marketing. It's so many, it's so many different layers to, to farming. Everyone doesn't need to be on the ground getting their hands dirty, but everyone can support a farm mission to ensure that quality food is getting to the people to everyone, I don't care if you're rich, poor, somewhere in between, everyone should be supporting their local farmer in their in their community and playing a part. Whether you're promoting what they're what they're doing, however way that feels righteous to you, buying their their food, things like that. So I think everyone can, and I guess to some extent, you are supporting farmers in in a grocery store, but it's just so. It's just such a disconnect, you know, like I really, I really believe that we shouldn't be getting food from other countries. <laughs> really, I really do. I know there's some nice delicacies in other places. Sometimes I have a hard time with like avocados. That's like a totally different thing. I love avocados, but they're like all the way in California. I just think 
I think it's okay for us to have luxury things that we can we can get. It's nothing wrong with that. It's just when we get to a point where it gets explosive and we have to do crazy things to get them. Like there's drought, there's droughts in California because we're trying to produce goddamn avocados and almonds for almond milk and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. It's like, that's great, but do we do we do we really need it? And I think if people ate more seasonally locally, like what's in your community. Like you shouldn't be eating if you're in North Carolina, you should not be eating watermelon. It's just not watermelon seeds, Susan. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just just not it. And I think that will also help our food system if we just appreciate the foods that are available when Mother Earth says it's time to eat them. It were you know takes take strains off our food systems and we just have to enjoy what's available. Like right now, this is leaf. This is green leaf seed. So you should be eating all the lettuce and kales and brassicas that you possibly can. <laughs> Because come June, you shouldn't be eating that because you don't, we don't grow lettuce in June. It's too damn hot to be growing lettuce in June. You should be enjoying, that's when you enjoy watermelon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just, we just got to trust Mother Earth and just don't give in to the temptations of uh, having other things when we don't really, you know, need it. There's so much I, I can say about this, but just trust Mother Earth. She knows what she's doing. She'll be doing it way before we got here. <laughs> And we're doing a fantastic job destroying it (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's so important to remember that we have other options. Like there are so many different options for each season, foods that a lot of us haven't even heard of. When I was in North Carolina, actually one of the times that I saw you at at a market, Chantel, it was the first time I met you in person. Mm -hmm. Yes. And at that moment, not at that moment, but earlier on in that day, I found out about sweet potato greens. I didn't even know that sweet potato greens were a thing. And one of the vendors was telling me they're awesome. I don't think they had any at the time, but he was like, you have to try them. They're awesome. So folks, there are so many different options for us. So don't think you know about every single little vegetable or type of green that's happening every season. Ask, this is why it's so awesome to know farmers because you can ask them, hey, what are you growing right now? And they can teach you about something new that you can make that might be your favorite food. And that actually is seasonal and local that you can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And that really transitions so well into the next thing I wanted to ask you about. So we have a way, Chantel can tell us a way right now about how to contribute more to farms and how to help support her farm. And I know you have a really special campaign happening right now, Chantel. Can we hear more about the land and labor campaign? Yes, definitely. So every year, in honor of Richie, I do a farm raiser. And this year, farm raiser, is to, we're just going to extend it until the goal is met. Since I began farming in 2014, I've moved probably five to six time, times, and I just moved my farm again. <laughs> I'm tired of moving, y'all. And the great thing about moving was I learned so much about land and land needs and, and what I want and what I don't want and what I'm looking for. So I'm very grateful for that all the places I've been at where they were shitty ones or great ones. I appreciate all the lessons, but now it's time to set roots. I'm currently with child of my own and it would be really nice if Bellatrix and I can just be on our farm, doing our thing with community. And so start last year on my birthday, I launched a land and labor campaign was just to help us not only get land, because one thing we forget is that, you know, we need support to make that happen. So the goal is 500,000. And I think we reached around, so far around 80K right now. 
And so I would love to put a down payment on some land this year. And it's just so important. And also if, you know, especially if you believe that racism really deeply impacts folks of color, this is something you want to be a part of, you know, back in the 1900s, there were just under about a million black farmers. And now they're about a little less than 50,000. All those acreage have been lost to taxation, not having the proper uh, documentation for those who inherited land and so many other like crazy things. And I often wonder if my, if my ancestors have received their 40 acres in a meal, like where would I be now? And it's, it's just been very hard to farm without, without land. And ownership of land is really important to me in off-grading color because we're just not, I'm just not trying to get land. I'm trying to establish generational wealth for not just my family, but like for the community, you know, land is being snatched up and developed so many ways that we need to secure land for farming. Also is because off-grading color, you know, is we really, we're really ready. When I say we, I'm, I'm talking about the community, like we're really ready to, you know, launch this homestead sanctuary for health and wellness. Like I've always wanted to be a sanctuary where people can come and just be come and volunteer, work at the farm, like that $500,000 is also to employ part-time people to pay them well, to help tend to the land and help develop something. I have a friend who's in midwifery school, who's ready to run the womb center for not just do the work, but for a birth center, you know, having the space we need to grow our, our livestock operation, to start new operations like a market garden, our flower and bee refuge and Richie's herb garden. And I'm hoping it could be a place where people, I don't really want to run these things. I really want people who believe in these things to come and run it themselves. Kind of like a entrepreneurial village space where people can come and like work the land and like earn their own income, establish their own generational wealth for, the, for their family. So this is so much bigger than me. Who knows if I can accomplish it all in my lifetime, but I definitely want to set the foundation and a huge part of that is securing land. So you could do that in so many ways. You can go to our GoFundMe page, the land labor campaign. You become a sustaining donor. If you, you know, I have one donor who gives me $25 every month and I so appreciate that. <laughs> People who've given, given off grid and color $15,000. So you know, dig deep, you know, you know, if deep for you is $5, give it because it all counts. It all goes to a really, really good cause. So the go, the GoFundMe, the reoccurring sustainer, you got Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, however you want to send it, check, cash. (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll take it. Even if you don't have money, my followers are so dope. Okay that maybe you have a talent or skill that you just want to raffle it off. Someone raffled off their first blanket that they ever quilted and raised $1,200. So just don't think about money in the physical sense. What talent or skill that you have that maybe you can raffle off and then you can donate. Maybe you want to help me with some admin things or it's just, just, so just don't think about the money part, which that is really important. We do need that to get land, but there's so many other ways, so many other righteous ways that you can help get this off the ground. You can share the story on your platforms, tell a friend. So don't limit yourself to just giving money. Just think outside the box and be, be creative because I think that's what homestand is all about, you know, 
being creative and how you do sustainable living. Yeah, totally. Let's do this, folks. Let's help her out and help fund this cause, which is so huge. And it's really, it, it affects our lives and it affects a lot of people's well-being. And I think a lot of us say, especially as soon as you step into the health sector, we like to say, oh, let's support local food. Let's support everybody here. Let's support the community because the system is broken. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of us already know that so if you support it and if you talk about supporting it and you say that it's important, then walk the walk, right? Like if you say it's important, then make it important in your life and, and continue to support amazing people like Chantal and what she's doing. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And I will link all of Chantel's, all the links and her Instagram in the show notes. So we have a little bit more time, Chantel. Do you have a couple more minutes to continue talking about what you do and... Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I'm curious too about, I wanted to ask you about birth coaching and talk about what doulas do a little bit because I'm still relatively new to the term. There are a lot of people who just haven't been exposed at all to doula services. Maybe they don't know what a doula does or how birth coaching is helpful. And I was one of those people. So I was raised mm-hmm. in a way where you go to the hospital and the Western doctor for anything possible and anything outside of that was just like not in the scope of what was drilled into my brain. So I'm curious, like, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What would you say to folks who haven't heard much about doula services before? I don't recommend a lot of books and movies to people, but when it comes to doula services, I always tell people to watch The Business of Being Born. It came out a couple of decades ago at this point, but it was one of the first things that I watched that really showed me how something so natural and so pure was monopolized and changed by by doctors in Western medicine. I, I do think there's a place for hospitals and the, and the birth space. Sometimes things go wrong and you need someone who has some expertise to help you get, get the baby out and to save a life. But most times, most times pregnancies are fine and they can be done at home, <laughs> how they were before Western medicine. Doulas are not anything new there's essentially your mama your auntie your grandma your sister (laughs) and a friend you know that's how it was done usually there was someone in the community who had a little bit more you know knowledge and catching babies and things like that but it's it's generally someone trusted trusted in, in the community i think around the 80s it became more popular doula services to having someone in the birth space who can be your advocate during a time that's supposed to be so precious, but it's also very stressful in an environment that's not natural for birthing. So birth, a doula is someone who provides educational, physical, and emotional support. Unlike a doctor who goes room to room, or even a midwife, you know, a midwife is great. Don't get me wrong. Your midwife is great. What I'm saying is your doula stays with you the whole time whatever your your needs are you know we are not medical professionals so you know if you tell us shall I take Pitocin and I'm not going to say well in my expert opinion you know I'm going to say something like well let's think about that you know you know what what do we know what you know what what do we know about Pitocin what is our understanding about it and you know and we'll go from there 
So we don't make medical decisions. We're not medical professionals. Don't trick us to helping us birth your baby at home. <laughs> we, we don't do that. We're there to, to be that extra person, which is different than like your partner. Some people think, well, oh, the father or, you know, the other mother would be there. And it's like, okay, but they love you in a way that I don't love you, right? <laughs> you know, I, you know, if I know you like Doritos and it's not time to eat Doritos, I'm not going to be like, oh, but she can have it. Like, no, it's not, it's not Dorito time. And mm-hmm. I don't really care about the feelings that in that way. So there are this neutral, this neutral third party who cares about your well-being, but also can help you think through the, um, the decision in a very clear manner. So I say whether this is your first baby or your 10th baby, all pregnancies are different and you should have a doula. And there's so many different types of doulas. There's a birth doula. There's a postpartum doula. There's a death doula. There's a doula for siblings. There's a doula for rainbow babies. Rainbow babies are when you have a, you know, you have a pregnancy that ends and then you have another pregnancy and the baby survives. There's doulas for same-sex couples. There are doulas for adoptions, for fostering just it's just it just goes across the gamut it's pretty much just this amazing person this neutral third party who has a little bit more knowledge than you who's able just to kind of help frame things for you and help you get through whatever phase of that that child's life that you're entering so i love it i would love to birth more more babies but i can't do it all but if a mama calls me i'm always there my my dual services are very low cost I only help mamas who are low income. And I think the, the word doula is getting a lot more buzz. And at one point, I feel like it was becoming more of a luxury thing that only certain communities can tap into. But there's some states now that, you know, putting doula apart like Medicaid and other insurances. So I think as things, because doula services can be expensive. Some places can charge you up to you know $2,000 for a doula. I'm not saying that they're not worth it. What I'm saying is it also, you know, it makes something that's so important and critical for people who really need it, not affordable. And so when we talk about sustainability and regenerative farming and doula services, it's a slippery slope to make sure that we still, you know, we remember the, you know, the roots of why we start doing those things to make sure people have access and that it's affordable because quality is for everyone. So same thing with doula services. And I think it's amazing. I got two doulas for my baby. <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's pretty dope. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. How cool is that to hear about mm-hmm. what you do and what's possible for us? Because yeah, we're, would you agree, Chantel, that we often get to a point where pregnancy is almost only seen as stressful. And then once you have your kids, it's like, oh yeah, my kids, now I have to deal with them. And I'm like, maybe everyone, not everyone, but maybe so many people have that outlook because they just don't have enough help because we've made it part of our culture to be like, okay, you're pregnant. So like, good luck, good luck with everything. I hope it goes well. Do you agree with that? Definitely. Like, I don't think I would have had decided to have this baby if I did not think I had community support outside of like the father you know like it had to be way more than that person <laughs> because it, it definitely does take a village it takes a village for, for me to run my farm I don't run my farm by myself like yeah I do most of the work if something happens it does fall on me 
like right rightfully so but has so many volunteers come out this year like the the monetary donations the, the donations for times the conversations people have had with me for encouraging words like it don't it don't work without community and so raising a child doesn't work without community and i definitely have community support so if you want to jump on a community support bandwagon for baby bell tricks just let me know <laughs> awesome yeah, and I think it, it all ties in together, right? Like self-sustainability, it's so important to to have that and also make that part of a community with other people who are doing the same thing. And then we're all kind of self-sustainable as a whole, right? Like we're helping to support each other and still staying independent of the system like we were talking about, right? And that's so important in everything that you're doing with your farm. And it it's it kind of snowballs. Like you're doing something that feels good for you and that helps so many other people. And it's becomes exponential because then they feel good and they're taking part in something. They're getting support and then they're showing that support to other people. When we're doing stuff that we love, that we know makes a good mark on this earth, we gain space to help others. And then it's a chain reaction, right? Yep. That's exactly how it works. Like your return on investment is what you do in the community, like how it makes you feel, what it what it puts on your on your table if you're volunteering somewhere. Like it's all community work. You know, it's been community work for me from the very beginning. You know, I've always had a couple of people there on the team. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Chantel. Before we wrap up and we tell people again how they can find you and everything, I have two more questions. But the first one is, so you mentioned like you do do a services when needed and you love farming. I'm curious, like when you get to your your goal, your financial goal with the land and labor campaign and you have your sanctuary, what would you like to be doing? Like what would you what would you like your role to be in the sanctuary? Oh, Wow. That's a beautiful question. Ultimately, I would like to be the person that, so once a year I do a homestead workshop and retreat where people come and they learn the fundamentals of homestead. And it's a very hands-on weekend where we have, you know, six to 10 workshops about how to pretty much start your own homestead. And at the end, you come up with this, you know, you, you really plan out your homestead. I love doing that workshop. And this year, something amazing happened with that. There was one person who came back twice because she really wanted to learn how to run a poultry farm. And I was like, that's really what I want to do. Like, ultimately, you know, I do all this work and all this aspiring. So one person was like, I can do it. So when the Homestead Sanctuary is developed, it's going to be an educational space for those people to come and learn and go out and actually do. Or maybe they might just do it on a sanctuary. That's cool. But that's where I see my role is, is to continue to inspire people into action. I would love to find a way to like quantify this and like measure this. This is like the research geek in me now to see mm-hmm. like, if, is it working and things like that. But ultimately, I feel like that's really what I'm doing is really encouraging people to heal through their, their pain and turn that pain into something actionable. And with a little bit, little, with a little bit of el- elbow grease, you can probably turn a profit. 
Cool, man, that's so beautiful. Awesome to hear. Great. Okay, so my final question, I ask all of the guests on here, what you think the root of health is? So what is the root, the baseline of health in your view? I think the baseline of health is how you treat yourself. And I don't do it every day. Usually when I'm in a low moment, I do it every day. But I did it today. On my way to my ultrasound, I was like having these negative thoughts about maybe what was happening in my womb. And I just turned on and I just started reciting some, some affirmations. I strongly believe if we really learn the power of self-love and care, because the body that you have is the only thing, when I think about it, it just makes me like, just get emotional. Like this body that you have is your vessel that you have to take care of. At the end of the day, you go to sleep with you and you wake up with you and you are with you from the time you come out, from the time you are conceived until the last breath you take. And you are the body, this body, this vessel, you have to take care of. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and however you choose to take care of your body, it's gonna, you know, this vessel is gonna impact how you operate in the world. So like I said, at the end of the day, you go to sleep with you. Now that, that doesn't mean that community is not involved and influencing your health, that's super important. But I think it really comes down to how you take care of yourself and then how self interacts with the world. And so if you are not well, whether it's mentally, financially, emotionally, physically, any of the lees, then you cannot operate health in a health way, in a healthy way in the world, just point blank and simple. If something is off, then you need to find the resources that you need to get oneself right. So I really truly believe, and I've heard that from people to me all the time. It's like, I love how you're just so reflective, how you take times. So I talk to myself often. <laughs> you know, Chantel, we have meetings all the time about how I'm feeling, how things going, what do I need? And if you follow me on Instagram, I share those stories. I share moments of depression. I share moments of happiness. I show moments of insecurity, joy, and pain because that's the way I release from my body and I welcome new things in it so I can be the best Chantel I can be in the world. And so I really do think that the, you know, the basis of health is just how you treat yourself. And sometimes you can get jacked up by the system, right? You know, if you are in a neighborhood that that doesn't have quality food, then that can impact your physical health and how you do things. So I do understand that, that like sometimes the vessel that you have doesn't have the resources it needs to be as, to be as best. But if oneself is not great, then you can't be great for the world. And it makes, to me, it also makes the, the balance, it, you know, it kind of messes up the energy of the world too, if that makes any sense, you know? We can, we can see when negative energy takes over the White House, right? Mm. <laughs> Things like that. So I really, I really truly think, I really, really believe that the root of health is how one treats oneself. Beautiful. That's just spectacular. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so yes, we already talked about it a little bit, but 
So we give everyone a reminder, how best can we find you? How can we support you? How can we donate time or labor or money to the land and labor campaign? Is it best to just find you on Instagram and go from there? Mm -hmm. Yes. So you can find Off Grid and Color by visiting the website, which is offgridandcolors with the S.com. Facebook at Off Grid and Color. Gmail. You can email me through my Gmail account at Off Grid and Color. I am most active on Instagram, which is also Off Grid and Color. And you can find all types of farm funnies (laughs) and stories and on my bio, you can find all those links to how you can donate and things like like that. And then I will also give them to you so you can put them in the show notes. Totally. Yep. I'm going to have all that linked in the show notes. So it's super accessible for everybody. I saw your farm funny today and it was awesome. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I was laughing at that today in this very chair. I was looking at that and laughing. So yes, definitely follow Chantal on Instagram. She has so many amazing stories and there's so many ways to support. So let's make this happen. We can do this together, everybody. Let's help. Let's help make this possible. So thank you so much for being on this episode with me, Chantal. It was such an honor to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Yeah, thank you all. I really appreciate you all. I appreciate you all for sharing your time and your ear for listening to some some words from me. (laughs) Thank you. I hope you loved this interview with Chantel Johnson, founder of Off Grid in Color. I have all of Chantel's contact information linked in the show notes. Head to Off Grid in Colors with an S.com, Off Grid in Colors.com, or follow Off Grid in Color on Instagram and Facebook to check out how to contribute and lend a hand. Let's support this amazing sanctuary, folks. If you did love this episode, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review, or share this podcast with your community. And if you do any of these actions, you will be entered into a drawing to win a free 45-minute private health coaching session with me. Just take a screenshot of your subscription, your review, or the post that you share. DM me the screenshot on Instagram and your name will be entered into the drawing. My handle on Instagram is at emilys.rootawakening. Feel free to follow me there. And remember, if you do one of these three things, your name will get entered into the drawing once. And if you do all three of these things, if you subscribe to this podcast, if you leave a review, and if you share this podcast, your name will be entered into the drawing three times. So you will have three times the chance of winning a 45-minute private health coaching session with me. And if you would like longer term accessible guidance with your health journey, if you'd like access to a community that is passionate about cultivating natural health, join us in the Root Awakening Mastermind. Head to bit.ly slash Root Awakening Mastermind to apply. I am Emily Kosick, health coach and CEO of Root Awakening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for supporting Natural Health and I cannot wait to hear from you soon. See you on the next episode.